Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. What's up, Avenue family? It is Thea, and I am here with... Jerwana Cecile. Jerwana Cecile is here. She is a part of our Wednesday Institute teaching team. And just like we did the last time with Josh... We will also do with her where she will talk the entire time and I will interject where she allows. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, we decided to have Joanna here. Uh, her topic was sin and salvation. And so she'll just kind of dive into that. Uh, and then I'll come in, like I said, where she allows and ask questions and probe and all of those things. So take it away, Joanna. Hey, Av family, for all those that don't know who I am, my name is Joanna Cecile. I've been the Av for like, three four years brother the avenue is five years old you were here when i got here so you've been here longer than three or four years been here for a minute um i'm a deacon um and i just love serving the av and so in this opportunity in serving the av we get to talk about sin and salvation and so we're just going to kick it off with defining what sin is because there are a lot of different notions of exactly what sin is um and i think um biblically we get a misconception uh, originally, sin is not a biblical word. It is just a word that humans made. You say what? It's not. It's literally <laughs> it's literally just a word uh, that humans made that has a multi-layered uh, definition. So if we look at the Hebrew word, it's ka- kata. I always pronounce it wrong. It's kata. And then we look at the Greek word, it's hamatia. I'm not. I ain't never took Hebrew <laughs> or Greek. Listen, so, it sounds perfect to me, to You know be what I'm saying? So all you philosophers out there... Let me know if I pronounced it right. But defining what sin is, uh, one definition of sin is transgressions of God's law. Sin is often described as a breaking of God's command or laws. For example, in 1 John 3, 4, it's written, everyone who sins break the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. So basically what this means is that God has given us a command and we just blatantly disregard it. We think of the children of Israel. Uh, God saved them uh, out of Egypt, brought them over, and God was like, hey, do this. But as soon as God delivered them, they just went back to their gods. Mm. So God gave me a command. I just decided to break it. Your mama told you not to touch the stove. <laughs> you still decided to touch I the stove. I touched it anyway. I touched it anyways. Not and my consequences came with it. Uh, <laughs> one of the words we use a lot, or one of the definitions we use with sin a lot, particularly in youth ministry, is missing the mark. Mm. Um, it's a good way and a good illustration to use. Like if you're playing darts and you got an arrow and you throw it and you don't hit the bullseye, that's what sin is. It's missing the mark um, that God has called us to. The word sin comes from the Greek word harmonia, harmatia. I cannot pronounce that word, but which means to miss the mark. In this sense, sin is falling short of God's perfect standard. Romans 3.23, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that verse all too well, and we try to use it majority of the time to evangelize and get people to understand that Christians aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. We are forever striving to be like Christ, and we're not Christ. So we always fall short of the glory of God. Uh, One of the ones that really, like, caught me off guard was sin is basically rebellion against God, which it just really made me think. Sin involves disobedience to God's will and a rebellion against his authority. This disobedience can manifest in thought, word, or deed. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own ways. Um, We hear in the Old Testament a lot, um, 
they did what was good in their own eyes. And so literally that's telling us that we decided to take our eyes off of Christ to deem what we perceive was good. Um, and when we get to the origin of where sin entered the world, we'll hear of a story where we did what was good in our own eyes and we follow after um, the first two people that sin. And then another definition for sin is contrary to God's character. Sin is contrary to God's holy and righteous character. God is perfect and sin is anything that derives from his perfection. Habakkuk 1, 13 states, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So if we had to summarize what sin is holistically, it's having a full disregard for God and what he's calling us to and what he's commanded us to do. Um, and that's in all areas, whether that be relationships, whether that be work, sin can be a good thing that God did not call you to or command you to do. And you're just being disobedient in doing mm-hmm. it. Um, and so that's a brief definition of what sin is. So I just have a question. So when you started this, when you got the assignment of, oh, I will be talking about sin and salvation. <laughs> where, where, where did you start? Like, where did you start first initially? Like, what was it? You know, I'm gonna go to people who are resources. Was mm-hmm. it I'm gonna go to the Bible, like as a resource? Am I gonna go to like what? Like, how did you even start? Um, I started like any other thing. I would start when I teach. I go straight to the Bible mm-hmm. first and foremost. Um, to lead in God what it is that I might be teaching. Yeah. Um, and so I went straight to Genesis because that's the Bam, first. Bam, pl- that's where it is. That's where it, Boom, is. There it is. That's where that's where it all started. Um, and it kind of leads into the origin of sin. Like yeah. I went straight to Genesis and like really dissected Genesis one through three uh-huh. and just really saw and read a lot of Genesis and it was really interesting. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you got the the task of teaching sin and salvation, what what was your initial reaction? Was you like, oh my god, I can't wait to get in everybody, or was it like, oh my gosh, was this? I was wondering what your initial. No, my initial uh, thought was like, me? Why me? I'm, I'm, <laughs> how am I gonna teach y'all something that I'm struggling with? Yeah. Um, when it comes to sin, and then when it comes to salvation, it's like, man, I'm ever seeking to remind myself that my salvation rests in Christ and yeah. not my deeds. Yeah. So like. How y'all gonna expect me to teach us something? To be honest, like I don't know where you're going with this because I was unfortunately unable to attend, but it sounds like you were the perfect candidate <laughs> to talk about these two things. So I'll let you take it away and go into Origin of Sin. So yeah, the Origin of Sin, like I said a few minutes ago, uh, it starts in the book of Genesis. We see um, sin does not enter the world when the serpent starts talking to Eve. Um, it enters the world when Eve doubts God. That's literally when sin enters the world. Mm. When Eve looked up on this fruit and saw that it was good for herself, that's when sin entered the world. She shared it, and I hope you got to edit this out. All hell broke loose after that, literally. Um, And it, it goes to show the notion of how sin is contrary to God's character. Because once sin entered the world... Adam and Eve could not be in the same presence of God. At one point, they were walking around in God's presence. Um, Loving, full relationships were good. um, But once sin entered the world, they had to kick rocks and go somewhere else. Um, Eve. And so Adam and Eve's role in sin, they show us the first time of disobedience. They show us the first regard of 
I'm gonna do what's good in my own eyes. Um, they show us that my independent sin does not wholly just affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects generation after generation after generation. And so we see that. And then even the first time sin is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis. And it's when Cain and Abel, the story mm-hmm. of Cain and Abel, um, Cain and Abel, two brothers, twins. One is a farmer. One is a sheep herder. Um, and God asked them for the first fruit. God asked them for a tenth. Um, one gives the very first, the very best. The other one gives what he wants. I'm going to give you what I got, not what you want. Um, and God is like, man, that's not what I asked for. And God literally tells him, hey, sin is crouching at your heart. Wow. Don't let it win. Um, and I said in the class, one phrase that we use that we didn't got wrong a lot is, am I my brother's keeper? Because as soon as God encounters the brother that killed the other brother, God asks, hey, where your brother at? And he looks, he says, am I my brother's keeper? No, I just killed my brother. And so we use that term. Don't a, we though? <laughs> as a term of endearment. But in all actuality, it's a confession of sin. It's like. I really don't care about my brother. I know exactly where he is. I know exactly what I've done to my brother. Mm. And it is what it is. Um, Nino Brown used it in, um, what's the name of the movie? Oh, my God. It's an old school 90s movie. Nino Brown. It's when he was the biggest drug dealer. I wish I knew, but I'm sorry. Can't my black card maybe revoked. It won't. <laughs> but literally, right, right before he shoots his right-hand man, he stares him in the eye and he says, am I my brother's keeper? And he kills him. And it's like a play on the Cain and Abel story. And it just goes to show that humanity is only seeking to save humanity and not do what Christ came to do. And that is to save and serve the world as a whole. That's good. That's good. I'm just curious. Whenever I hear, you know, Eve doubted God, I always think about, I can't remember who said this, but like exchange the truth about God for a lie. Mm Mm-hmm. I just wonder, like, what do you think about that phrase? I feel like that's often used. Um, but to me, when I hear it, it's always multi-layered, right? So it's it like, is. oh, my gosh, you know, I exchange the truth about God for a lie. Like, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Is it always self-serving? I just wonder what you think about that. Um, if we look at scripture, Satan never lied about God. Mm. Satan literally just asked Eve questions mm-hmm. and Eve interpreted them for herself. And so a lot of times, it's not even that we trade the truth for a lie. We just lie to ourselves because the truth is always there. We don't we don't trade it. We just interpret it as we want it to serve ourselves Dang. or to appease the people that we want to appease. Yeah. And a lot of sin um, is people-pleasing. It's a comparison thing. I, I want these people to love me, so therefore I'm going to do these things. When in all actuality, God is like, I already loved you. And I already called you to these things. So just walk in them. Yeah. And so it's like, it's kind of I'm trading the truth for a lie. But then it's also I'm my own God. And I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. Well, dang. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be done here and let let you talk about the types of sin. So there are a lot of types of sin out there. You can go to Google. You can go to GT Chat, um, AI software. Chat GPT? Yeah, that's it. I never get the letters right. Uh, But it's a lot of type of sins. But we're going to talk about two. 
two sins. We're going to talk about the origin sin, which is inherent sin. Um, inherent sin nature, the sin nature, the Bible teaches about the sin nature. It's an inherent sin from Adam and Eve, which inclines people towards sin. This concept is seen in passages like Psalms 51.5, which says, Surely I was born sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Um, I told this story in the institute class. It was like maybe a year after I came to know, the, came to know Christ for myself. And me and one of my cousins ended up at my grandma's house for spring break. I don't know how we got into a religion talk or whatever. I don't even know how the conversation went. But he makes the statement of, man, I'm just going to teach my kids how not to sin and they'll get to go to heaven. And I just was like, <laughs> I don't know about that. I literally was like, I, I don't think it works like that because right. because of Adam and Eve sin, sin is our nature. It is what we want to do. Paul says, I do what I don't want to do and I can't do what I want to do. It's like it's a forever wrestle. It's a forever tuggle. Um, and it's like the movie Walking Dead. Without Christ, we're literally walking around dead to ourselves mm. and dead to the goodness of what God wants innately. Like it's an innate thing. Even us as Christians, even though we have the spirit, we still have this dead weight that is wrestling with us because it's our nature. Yeah. It's what we want to do when we want to do it. Um, and I also told the story about came to know the Lord. I had broke up with this dude. I knew the Lord was calling me to himself. And so then this random guy, not random guy, I knew him from college. I liked him in college. We started writing letters to each other. And I knew after a Writing couple, letters? What year was this? 95? It's 2000. <laughs> you sound like the people in the Institute. That was like, y'all was writing letters? What type of what type of pen y'all was using? A feather tip? I was like, nah. But we literally were writing letters to each other back and forth. And it got to a point where I could tell he was getting in the way of me and Jesus. Mm. Like I can innately tell. Yep. And that's what I wanted. Like, I was going to the mailbox. I had to walk to the mailbox because I was in graduate school at the time. Um, and I was more excited to walk to the mailbox to get his letters than I was spending time with Jesus doing what I knew I was called to do. Uh-oh. Um, and I'll never forget that I had to write him a letter and tell him, hey, I can't talk to you no more. You getting in between me and Jesus. And it's oh so gosh. funny. He sent a picture because we had text messages back then. I had an iPhone. He took a picture of it and sent it to me. I was like, you for real? I was like, yeah, I'm serious. But in that, that was saying it was a good thing. It was a good relationship, but I was going against what I knew the Lord had called me to. That's good. And it was it was innate. It was something that was easy. Like I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to consider it. Lying, lying is an easy thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. I am a great pathological liar. If I can lie to myself for ten years and say I was a Christian, I can lie to anybody. Yeah. And so it nobody had to teach me how to lie. Nobody it's in there. It's original sin. It's, it's inherent. Like, nobody has to teach you how to be a manipulator. Nobody has to teach you. Nobody teaches a kid to say, I didn't do it, when they know they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just an innate thing, and it's an inherent sin nature that we get from Adam and Eve. And then uh, the last type of sin is personal sin. Willful disobedience, sin of omission. Sin is not only about what you do, but also what you fail to do. James 4.17 explains, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it is sin. Um, a lot of times the Lord tells us no to good things, but we willfully disobey, we willfully disobey it because it, it seems good to us in our eyes. And the Lord's like, that's not what I call you to. That's like a job, a promotion. 
um, this last year of life, I, I was thinking about leaving my current job. And the Lord's like, I'm calling you to be still. Mm. Years ago, I'd have left. Yeah. But my obedience to the Lord outweighs my obedience to myself. And personal sin always leads us to obedience to ourselves and not obedience to God. Whether it be a good thing, a morally good thing, or a morally bad thing. That's good. And obviously, I know that at some point you'll get to salvation. But I'm wondering, like, in differentiating between original sin and, and personal sin, is there a specific specific type of call like out of these sins right so obviously if the original sin is there then it's going to be there Mm -hmm. however with personal sin it is based off of your own personal experiences Mm -hmm. so like as we navigate through just kind of like life in general is there a calling away from the original sin of the ability to be a pathological liar or manipulative or all those things like I'm just wondering how to reconcile those two things. I think it comes when uh, the Holy Spirit enters. You mm-hmm. are now aware that, oh, I, I do lie unconsciously. Um, I do manip- manipulate men to give me money on the basis of I'm not returning anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just using you for what I want. I think uh, my grandma used to say, I think it, I'm pretty sure it's a scripture. Uh, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Now that I'm older, I, I know better. I do better. And mm-hmm. so I think it's a growth and a sanctification thing. And it's a process. Um, yeah. Christianity is not something you graduate from. It is something you continuously do day after day after day until you see Jesus for yourself. And so that inherent sin is always there. That personal sin, once we come to know Jesus, is something we are made aware of. Mm-hmm. And, and we wrestle with all the time. When I have conversations with men now, I can tell when I'm leading into being manipulative or when I'm, I lie to my family a lot. So when I'm having conversations with different family members and I've lied, like, I'm like, dang, like, I got to go back and apologize and repent. Yeah. But before, it's like, oh, that'll be all right. Here's <laughs> <laughs> what it is. Yeah. They ain't need that money. They, yeah. they gave it away. And so I think it's a sanctification, a growing thing. But that inherent sin is going to always be there. That personal sin is what we navigate to reconcile. Because we think of kids, uh, once they enter the world, they have that inherent sin. Yeah. They walk in their inherent sin until they come to know Jesus Christ by faith through grace. That's good. That's good. I guess we talk about the consequences. <laughs> Should we talk about the consequences? <laughs> is that important to speak about? It's extremely important. Um, <laughs> I don't know why people don't talk about the consequences of sin. Hear me say this. If you don't hear nothing else that I say on this podcast for the rest of my life, there are consequences to sin. If there were no consequences for sin, there would be no need for Jesus. Mm-hmm. If like just putting it frank, if there were I no, I mean that's true. If there were no consequences, if we if sin was cool with God and we could just do whatever we want to do, there would there would have been no reason for Jesus to go through what Jesus went through. There would be no reason for the New Testament. There would be no reason for the disciples. Paul wouldn't have had to die like he died. John wouldn't have had to die like he he died. Like, there are innate consequences for sin. And we see it every day in our broken and fallen world. People do not see human beings as image bearers of Christ. Nope. And that's a consequence of sin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People do not have the innate ability to say, I'm going to serve you, not because you're going to give me something, but I'm just going to serve you because that's what God called me to. And so... 
there are forever consequences of sin until Jesus returns. So what are those consequences, Joanna? My Lord, consequences of sin, uh, it's a multitude of things. You have uh, spiritual and physical consequences of sin. And so we know spiritual consequence of sin, um, sin separates us from God. I think that's one that a lot of people don't sit in. I don't think they want to sit in the wait to know that, man, I broke God's heart, so therefore I cannot stand in the presence of God. Like, that's weighty. You know it's what I'm very saying? weighty. And it's like, oh, I don't sin because I don't want to go to hell. No, I don't sin because I really want to be God bestie. Like, I really want to <laughs> I really want to hang. You know, yeah. I really want to be able to be in the presence of God. And so one of the, in my opinion, one of the top, top consequences is a spiritual separation from God. Sin creates a separation between human beings and God. Isaiah 59, 2 states, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that you do not hear. Um, that separation of God leads us to guilt and shame. Sin often leads to feeling of guilt and shame. Adam and Eve, after they were disobedient in the Garden of Eden, fell shame and hid from God. That's a consequence mm-hmm. because God is calling us to himself even in our sin because Jesus said, yet while you were a sinner. I die for you. But because of the weight of sin, God don't want to hang out with me. Like, I just love what they do. Like, he don't really yeah. want to have no, nothing to do with me. He don't want to have no dealings. And it's like, God ain't say that. Sin told you that. The yeah. devil is trying to pull you away from who God has said he is and who God has said you are. I wonder if you could speak to, like, why why you think people wrestle in a way that they do with that. Like, sin separates me from God versus sin not sinning keeps me out of hell you know what i mean like i think you know and as i went growing up and just living my life as a believer there's always been conversation around sin and i think around eternity and a lot of times what people think more so about is like the get out of hell free car Mm -hmm. versus you will spend eternity without god without your savior if if that's not hell i don't know what is (laughs) right and so i'm wondering like if you could even speak to like where you think that ideology was birthed out of i would say the church um the church we gotta take ownership like the, the church did a bad job in communicating what it re- what hell really is yes hell is a place hell is something that scripture talks about all the time but you know there was a fire and brimstone crusade for a yes. while just like purity culture it was yes. a crusade all of this and it's like man you really made people scared into believing in mm-hmm. jesus it's so interesting i remember having a conversation oh gosh i'm not gonna say any names well with the pastor from my past and I asked that question. I was like, so do you think that it is good and wise for us to scare people in the way that we are attempting to do so in order to get them to become Christians? Like, do you think that that's helpful? Because to me, it's like you just said, it's losing the crux of what it is in its entirety. It is a deep connection Mm -hmm. to the Lord Jesus so deep that he lives inside as the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit. And we're pushing this narrative of hell is hot, really, really hot. Don't go there versus 
spend eternity with the one who came to save you the one who and i came to save you sounds so light and airy but like like sitting with the weight of what it means that the god of the bible came down and became flesh to die for you and you get to spend eternity with him and that's 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 kind of like another notion of seeing understanding the difference of a healthy loving relationship and a toxic relationship uh, if that makes sense uh-huh. me me being fearful in a way that i have a reverence and i offer god and i can sit in his presence yet while i'm a sinner and understand that this is a good good father that's wrathful that does not agree with what i've done but loves me still and holistically and that grace doesn't come without consequence yet grace is still there yes. that is a healthy relationship to yes. navigate but me over here terrified because if I don't do what God said I'm going to hell will lead me away from what God is calling me to. Um, this may not be a good example, but it's just like having an abusive husband. You made me fearful into loving you and perceiving that nobody else could ever love me. When God is like, man, love me wholly and intentionally, fl- flaws and all, and watch me build this church around you with yeah. a collection of people. Yeah in my image that will love you even when you think I don't yep. and that will still point me to you. So okay. one is that isolated, one is a community, yeah. um, family. And it, it, to me it also, which this is a major side, but it also speaks to like more like making moral decisions so mm-hmm. you you feel like pt mentioned this when i was in college but like therapeutic moralistic deism whereas like <laughs> there's this ideology word. that you know you you can do enough in order to escape mm-hmm. but then everything when you're when you're fearful in the way that i was taught to be fearful of hell then everything is contingent upon your actions mm-hmm. and not your heart and not your heart at all and so, and it also is s- such a place of unrest mm-hmm. where the gospel is the most restful place because your identity and who you are in him is Secure is final. It's good. Major aside, but continue to talk about the consequences of sin, Joanna. The consequences the spiritual, of physical consequences. Spiritual, we, we talked about the spiritual. It, it leads to guilt and shame. It leads to condemnation. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I'm supposed to die. <laughs> Yet we still here. Yet we still here. The condemnation is no more. I can stand. We, we kind of going a little further into salvation, but... Sin leads to condemnation. I'm supposed to go to hell because God is wrathful and holy. I'm supposed to not be in the presence of God, but God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Um, Another uh, thing is broken relationships. We just talked about that. Sin broke the relationship between God and humanity. Mm -hmm. That's what sin did. It didn't fracture it because a fracture can heal. No, it snapped that thing. It broke it completely. Um, right down the middle, and it broke God's heart. And so the spiritual consequences to sin, sin can damage relationships, including our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Sinful actions can lead to broken trust and damaged bonds. Um, That's how the conversation of me and the dude came about. Uh, Because the relationship was broken, because I wanted something from him, not for him. God always wants something for me, not from me. So much more for me from me and so the brokenness in a lot of relationships um i get to hang out with kids all day every day in my job and to see the brokenness in the relationship with them and their friends them and their parents them with other people um even like 
Gen Z, like a lot of them don't know how to hold relationships, so they just ghost people. Like they just that sounds like me. I mean, that sounds about right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. we get so inwardly in ourselves yeah. to like this person mad at me, this person I like me, da 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 da, and it's like okay, well let me just pull back and we'll be fine. But yeah. that's just the brokenness of the relationship. Man. And so those are spiritual consequences. Physical consequences, suffering and death. Before sin, there was no suffering. There was no death. But because of sin, sin has offered a link to suffering and physical death. Romans 5.12 states, Therefore, just as sin has came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of sin. Physical death is a consequence of sin. Um, that's an inherent consequence of sin. All men and women born of a woman shall surely die. My grandma talk about that all the time. Um, my grandma was born in 1938. She done seen a lot. She done heard a lot. She experienced a lot. At any time, like, one of my friends died, like, she, like, one of the first people I call or something happened, she's like, baby, we all got to go. Mm. We all got to go. It's not, it's not how long you live. It's how you live. And it's who you live for. And so death is an ever-coming thing. The, the question is, what impact are you having now? And what impact are you having through your suffering? So nuggets. Granny, granny be dropping nuggets. So physical consequence, suffering and death. Another physical physical consequence is curse and toil. After Adam and Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden, God pronounces consequences that include difficulties in physical labor, women. The ground was cursed and human toil became more egregious. And so I, I, I can't do internal pain, and I blame Eve for that all the time. <laughs> right, this is y'all. Me too. My friends, everybody, you know what I'm saying? It's not a, it's not a very comfortable type of situation. It's not. It's <laughs> not. But that's that's the toil and curse. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see Consequence men, of the fall. Consequences of the fall. You see men out here laboring hard, yeah. trying to make ends meet, trying to understand why they don't have enough money, and that's because the ground is cursed. The labor is cursed. And so that's a consequence of sin. War and conflict this is a touchy subject right now, but that is a physical consequence of sin, war and conflict. Sin leads to violence, war and conflict, resulting in the physical suffering and loss of life. James 4, 1 through 2 suggests that wars and fights arrive from desires and lust. Goodness. And so it's like, yeah, in some aspects it's religious. In some aspects it's like I'm fighting for God, but the core of humanity leaders are fighting for their own desires and their own lust and their own Makes glory sense. to to be all that mm-hmm. they are. And so those are consequences of sin. They kind of deep. Well, I don't think we got enough time to go. <laughs> deep, this deep. podcast will be an hour and 25, maybe 45 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, so it looks like as you talked about the consequences of sin and all of the things about sin, I really don't know how you did this in one Wednesday Institute class, but kudos to you my sister you moved into salvation mm-hmm. and so how did you if you give us like a overview of how you talked about s- salvation so the 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 past little synopsis led up to salvation mm-hmm. we understand the types of sin we understand the definition of sin the origin of sins the consequences of sin and then we understand that there is redemption of sin mm-hmm. that is salvation sin is not the end God did not just leave us out here hanging and make all these rules. I don't know if y'all know this. It's like 316 
commandments in the Old Testament, and we just be stuck on 10 and can't even do that. But sin is not the end. Redemption of sin is, and that's how we got into salvation and the need for salvation. Um, The Bible teaches that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all jacked up. We all messed up. Pastor, preacher, priest, all the way down to the little baby that was just born today on November 8, <laughs> 2023. We all messed up. Sin separates humanity from a holy God and righteous God, creating a need for salvation. I need to be saved. Going back to the uh, illustration of the walking dead, I may be breathing, but I'm not living for anything that will last. Yeah. Um, I heard one pastor uh, use the illustration, you, were dr- you weren't drowning, you were at the bottom of the ocean lifeless like wow you were done no breath in your body so there is a need there is an innate craving for salvation we know morally good we know our hearts are longing for something that isn't on this earth which leads to spirituality and us resting and zodiac signs and if another person asks me what my zodiac sign what is what is your zodiac i'm just playing. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm a Scorpio Sagittarius. That don't dictate to my personality, people. Come on. But it's it, it just it just grieves our heart. And so we see the need for sin. And in the grace of God, in salvation, there's grace. I use this with my students all the time. Grace doesn't come without consequences. Um, one of the consequences of sin was the death of Christ on mm-hmm. the cross. One of the rewards of Christ's death on the cross and resurrection was salvation and access to salvation. I can believe by faith through grace that Jesus died, was raised, seated on the right hand of the Father, interceding for me, and I can be saved. Yeah, that That's grace. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 emphasizes that salvation is a gift from God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I cannot boast in my own salvation. I can't sit up here and say, man... Joanna did all this studying on sin and salvation. I'm going to go. I know God going to let me in because somebody going to get blessed. No. Uh, no. No, by no means. Joanna really don't be liking to talk to people in public for <laughs> real. For real. <laughs> um, but it's because I know the Lord saved me. I know how the Lord saved me. I felt the weight of it. I've experienced it for myself. How dare I keep it to myself? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's grace. And so... We see the need of salvation. We see the need and the uh, appeal for grace. And then the role of Jesus. Jesus is at the heart of Christian salvation. If Jesus is not at the heart of your Christian salvation, we can talk and have a conversation. Yes, we can. We can talk and have a conversation. <laughs> um, John fourteen six record. Jesus' words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christians believe that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrections provides the means for salvation. Through faith in him, individuals can be saved. We believe that the only way we can get to God and stand in his presence in spite of our sin is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that work is finished. It's done. It's complete. I don't got to add no sauce to it, none of it. It's it's done. That's what we believe. There's no other way to 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 God, which I'm thankful for. Um, I'll be on TikTok a lot. You know, we tick, we talk. Same. You know, we like. And I seen this one guy who's extremely intellectual. We love to try to explain Jesus away. 
And in him trying to explain Jesus away, he came to know Jesus. Wow. Because every other deity that the world has tried to put their hopes in talks about Jesus being a Messiah. Oh, he was a prophet. Oh, he was this. But Jesus always talks about himself being the way and the truth and the light. And if that's the case, it, it, it got to be some truth to it. If yeah. everybody gives him props and he only gives himself props. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Mm-hmm. It got to be. It got to be. The math some, is mathing. The math is mathing. <laughs> All this other math out here, it don't be mathing. But this math, it maths. And in salvation, there is a call. When I come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, when I see the redemption of salvation, the redemption of sin from sin, it, it leads me to do something. It leads me to repent and understand that I am forgiven. Amen. That's what that's what it leads me to. Um, Acts 3, 19 teaches the importance of repentance and faith. Repent, therefore, and turn that your sins may be blotted out. Repentance involves turning away from sin, and faith is trusting in Jesus for salvation. Um, I know for a lot of my friends that trusting is a little hard. We trust Jesus in some areas of our lives, but not all areas of our lives. The one that is looking me dead in my (laughs) eyes like this is about me. Uh... It's about us. It's about us. This is us. This is us. But that's a wrestle that we have to wrestle with. Like, I have to trust Jesus with my salvation. During during COVID and all this new stuff, like, a lot of people were deconstructing their faith. Yeah. um, Rethinking what they were taught when they were younger. And I honestly found myself trying to navigate, okay, what is it that I believe? Am I a Calvinist? Am I a Lutheran? Yeah. When I tell my grandma I go to a Presbyterian church, is she going to shun me? Because we grew up Baptist. Like, What is it? And I just fell on the notion of, man, I rest in the notion that Jesus saved my soul and I believe in that. And wherever he leads me, I I, I got to stay there Amen. and I got to stand on it. And so just just resting in that. Um, and then grace and mercy. Grace and mercy is something we do not deserve. They, they twins. I say they fraternal twins. <laughs> they come together. They're a package deal. Grace. Ephesians 2, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, but a result of works so that no one may boast. This verse emphasizes that salvation is a gift of God's grace, not something earned through human efforts. Um, A lot of times I helped out with a college ministry and people would profess faith and the ministry would just notice their actions. It would be a behavior change, but you could tell after a couple of months that the heart really really wasn't changed Mm -hmm. um and that's what grace does grace really changes your heart it helps you understand that regardless of how i behave if my heart is not changed by the holy spirit my eternity hasn't been changed by the holy spirit um part of my story i was a good girl i made good grades i didn't get in trouble i didn't go to jail i probably was a functioning alcoholic but nobody knew it i had sex i ain't smoke i was a good girl and I'll never forget, God was like, good girls go to hell too. You know, like, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have the grace, yep. then you're really not going to see Jesus. So what So what, 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 what mercy got to say about it? Mercy got a lot to say. Some, <laughs> Psalms 103, 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abiding in steadfast love. God's mercy is often paired with his love and compassion. And so mercy literally leads us to understand that love is always there. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new 
daily and evident of his faithfulness. <laughs> um, we don't deserve God's mercy at all. Like, not one bit. Nope. Not one bit. But what mercy leads us to be reminded of is that God's love is ever access to us through Christ. That's amazing. And so... I just always, whenever I hear mercy, I always thinking about the song by C.C. Wine is Mercy Said No. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you slip away. Mm-mm. Them old school gospel songs. Oh, my though. gosh. Because they used to tell all their business. They did. I but, used to be a crackhead smoking crack, oh. but God, I'm like, whoa. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> you going to say this in a recording? <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a lot. But any any other key points, key takeaways before we wrap up this podcast episode? I think the key takeaway um, that I think a lot of us, let me use the word us, uh, specifically in Christian circles, we get used to the word sin and salvation. It becomes a numbing thing. Oh, I know I'm sinful. Oh, I know I got salvation. Um, but what I would ask us all to wrestle with is like sitting in the notion of I'm seeing, I have, I've seen and now I'm being saved. I'm mm. continuously being saved. That's good, Joanna. Day after day. And then for those that may not know Jesus, you may not rock with Jesus like that. Uh, you may think of him as just another side thing to indulge in. Um, I would encourage you um, to sit in the notion and experience who Jesus is through his word. Not through nobody else's word. Mm. Not through nobody else's podcast or sermon. Pray and be like, Jesus, I want to know you. Mean it in your heart. And just read the scriptures and experience him. You might feel a little weight of your sin, but you'll feel all of his glory. And the prayer is that it'll lead you to him and not nothing else. Dang, that's good. I'm going to um, print that and put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> we like T-shirts. We love T-shirts. Uh, well, thank you so much, for Joanna, for re- recapping no problem. Sin and Salvation. Uh, well, you'll be in here in a couple of weeks talking about something else from the Wednesday Institute because interviews are important. So are. thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Or I guess you'll hear us next next time. time. Bye.